The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Gene. Yes. Have you ever committed a crime? No. Have you ever had a crime? I know, that's actually a... <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not committed a have crime. Have you ever had a crime, a crime committed against you? No, I don't know. That you're aware of. Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, well, today's question is about... Interesting. Cyber criminals. Okay. Which is something... I know you think about this all the time. I do. I have a lot of a lot of thoughts and experience with clients that have had... Great. Been, so what's the question? Because Noor... From California wrote in, he's a dentist, and his question is, I'm really concerned about data breaches, especially because I'm responsible for safeguarding sensitive medical records. Mm. Would a criminal target my business, and how can I protect myself and my patients? So I'm going to go first. Please. Yes. Small businesses are the easiest marks for cyber criminals because like a large company, you have a whole staff that just works on security. Right. But a small and we business, know how great large companies are at security. <laughs> they're terrible. They're just fantastic. They're really Large bad. companies, they never get hacked. It never happens. But small companies, small <laughs> businesses have less people working on that. They might probably don't even have a dedicated person. They might have a vendor. Right. Um, And the second thing is that I know when I work at the Hartford, every year we have to complete training on cybersecurity for our business. I don't think a lot of small business owners train their employees on that. And if they do, they don't train them very well. Right. And it's most likely that your own employees are going to make your business more hackable. And there's an article on that that I will link to in the show notes. So Gene, what should Noor be doing? And the the spelling of the name is N-O-U-R. Okay. He is from... Solvang, California. So, Noir, so um, a couple things on uh, to make sure you, you are subject to hacking. Um, you know, businesses big and small are subject to it, and small businesses in particular uh, easily fall prey to a lot of hackers. People are looking for credit card information, social security numbers, uh, customer data, uh, passwords, what things like do that. With medical records. Like, if he's got dental records on people. I'm not quite sure what you would do with, a med- with medical records itself. I, I'd just be more concerned with just, again, any private information that could be used or sold for financial uh, I, reasons, I right? I always wonder when I go to the dentist or any doctor, they always ask for your social security number. Yeah, that's, uh, you and know, I, why are they asking I for never that? write it down. I know. And I give out my social security number all the time. And like, meanwhile, it's like a major, uh, you know, and with yeah. the, the recent, you know, hack at Equifax, Equifax and all, you know, yeah. big issues where, because, because financial services, people ask for that information. So that's your, that's your exposures at your, your customer data uh, and your employee data could be, could be hacked. And, and you're easy pickings if you're a small business. So there's a few things that you want to do um, to make sure that you are protected. But the most number one thing is, and it's incredible I'm saying this, but it's true, is um, you, you should really move to a cloud-based service. Right. So really, yeah, okay. because and, and a lot of people be like, gosh, you know, that seems like to be even less secure. And, you know, because you're you're trusting your data with somebody else. Well, for starters, you don't have to change over all of your systems. I'm not saying you have to throw everything away and then sign up for a new cloud based accounting system or CRM or whatever. There are plenty of managed server providers, managed server providers. They're IT firms, big and small. Um, they rent out space on managed servers that are provided by Amazon, that are provided by Microsoft. Microsoft and that? Google. 
uh, go ahead and just Google managed server providers, okay. managed server, right? Or just talk to your IT person because they will know immediately. If you're like, you know what? I want to host all my stuff. I want to get rid of my servers and all that internally and host it with somebody else. Any IT shop that I work with, you know, they, 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 they either they do it themselves or they have a resource to so do it. So why is that? So a company like Amazon that has a ton of servers, like Amazon Web Services. And constantly keeping out hackers. Yes. So, of course, nothing is 100% secure. But let's face it, Elizabeth. I mean, if you're going to take your data um, and your, your software applications and you put it on Amazon's uh, servers or, again, Microsoft Azure or on Google uh, Cloud, um, these companies invest countless millions of dollars in resources, tools, and people uh, to make sure that their 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 customers' data is as secure as they can possibly be. Now again, they're not perfect as we see that you know that people get you know hacked all the time. But they're certainly a lot more perfect than you know new is it NAR NAR server. NAR yeah, <laughs> NOR yeah. server. server. No offense, NOR, but you know your server is and your IT person, God knows, you know, the last time you had security updates on it and how secure it really is. It's much safer when somebody else experienced yeah. hosts it for you. And that's like the number one thing you, you know can what? do You know what? The funny thing about that, it's not funny. It's actually really sad. But Equifax yeah. and how you, they, I guess, were not updating their security I patches, know. They just. Which ugh. is crazy. I mean, a large company like that to not do that. So if they're not doing it, a small business, of course, that's going to slip Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, Equifax was interesting. Not not to like, not like completely roast them, but because I wrote no, about. Fine. I fine. wrote about them recently out of anger because mm -hmm. um, it was it was a com it was like the worst fear for my small business and medium sized client what their fears are I'm trying to convince them to go to the cloud and then this kind of thing happens yeah. so they're like uh. and then the worst was their response I mean they waited like five weeks before they even disclosed the issue and then their response was like well go to our site and give us more information about yourself so we can make sure that your you know your yeah. data is here. And it was it was sort of like indifference, you know, and they've gotten better. They've been apologizing more. But now if you know, all of my I was part, a victim of the uh, of it, we looked it up. Um, and now, like uh, every day, I'm looking at my bank account. I expect it to be drained of any cash for all. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it's if that, not funny. But yeah. But if that happens, you know, you're going to have to go through all these headaches to to fix that. And it is, and it's because of Equifax's lousy internal security policies. Yeah. So they're not a cloud-based company, though. I mean, you know, Microsoft and, and Amazon and Google and Rackspace, so many others that do this for a living, their policies are way more secure and yeah. advanced than like, you know, you know, than, than a company like Equifax. So is. if Noor is dealing with medical records, I'm assuming he's using a cloud-based, we don't know. We don't know. We don't he, know. I'm assuming there's some type of medical CRM that those offices use. Well, it's, it's not a medical CRM, but um, most people that are dealing with medical records ask if it's HIPAA compliant. Okay. So HIPAA is the healthcare information practices. Yep, yep. like the, and um, so there, you have to make sure that your, your systems and your managed servers, by the way, are HIPAA compliant. There's certain rules that they need to comply with. So you bring up a really great point. I mean, you know, Nora needs to ask that of any so potential. you need to go out to your vendors, yep. basically, and ask what questions. Well, you, what you want to do is not necessarily your vendors. You want to go to your IT person okay. and say, I want to I have my systems hosted in the cloud by a managed server provider. Can you recommend that person? Okay. And then when you get a couple of managed server providers that are recommended to you, then you want to ask them questions like, of course, how much do you cost? Uh, what security do you have over my data? How can people get access to my data? 
Have you ever been hacked before? Um, what is, uh, you, are you HIPAA compliant in the case of, of NAR's you know, situation? How do I get connected to my client? And is those connections secure? Is it a remote desktop connection? Is it a web connection? Um, what are you doing every year to make sure that you are uh, continuing to upgrade or your quarterly. yeah or quarterly or whatever to, to make sure that you are staying as current as possible? Um, where is my data backed up in case something goes wrong? Uh, where are your servers located? In case there is a potential problem, and you know where that is, is that is that an issue in to Florida me? There are Florida keys, and there's right. a huge exactly. hurricane coming. Exactly right. I mean, yeah, these are all like most issues that you got to ask. Most of them, I believe, are in the Midwest. They 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 put them their their servers all over. One, they're they're building a huge server farm like in the Arctic, really? right now. Yeah, oh. because it's just cooler. So there was just uh, Amazon is investing like like a ton of money. Uh, building server so farms they're putting in the them in different. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but they're putting them in different locations in case something happens. They do, and then also um, they need the space. They need it to be uh, it, it, you know inexpensively run. So if you put it in uh, wherever it is, you want to make sure that the cost of uh, the people there are inexpensive enough. You yeah. only need few people to run these server so farms. You're not going to put them in Connecticut. You're not going to put them right <laughs> the cost of living here. But the other thing we also remember is that the way databases work nowadays is that. Um, you want to ask your managed server provider um, how they distribute your data because um, your data just isn't in one place. It's not on a server farm in the Midwest. It's, you know, SQL and other databases are connected to each other throughout these server farms all around the world. And your data is actually distributed in different places and then called together when you're requesting information. Okay. So you want to understand how that works and how that impacts your business. Now, also, the other thing is when you negotiate these contracts, um, with managed server providers, who has liability? You know, like what is you know, say something does go wrong. What is you know? How are you getting your data, and what's your protection? And also your protection on um, fees, because um, once you host with a managed server provider, they can charge you whatever they're going to charge you per month. Who's to say that a year from now they don't come back and double the fees? Yeah, and all your stuff is with them. You know, so what protections do you have about that, and what protections do you have to get your data? Say you wanted to just change services and go somewhere else. Are you comfortable telling us who you use? So I use a company called Cloud Jumper. Okay. Cloud Jumper is a perfect example of a relatively smaller company. I mean, they only have a few hundred employees, and they're even you know, companies smaller than that. But they host all of our our files and our data, like you know, that we use um, internally. But they use Amazon Web Services. They're like basically a reseller of Amazon Web Services. So I'm going through them for my service and support and any questions and whatever. But they've carved out some property on Amazon Web Services, and that's where their business is. Great. And a lot of Microsoft partners sounds good. Yeah, yeah, are doing the same thing. All right, so that's what you want to do with getting your business into the cloud. Yeah, but also protecting your data is all about protecting, protecting your, your data, data, how to protect okay. against a, a hack so attack. What then? What then do you do with your employees? Because they're the ones that they answer the phone. Someone asks them what sounds like a pretty innocuous question, and right. all of a sudden. They have an in. Yeah. So for the show notes and remind me, Elizabeth, there is there is two really great services that um, test employees during the really? year. I thought that was really cool. Carbonite is a backup service, and uh, the people I'm very friendly with the people there, and they use this internally for their own employees. Okay. And it's inexpensive. It's a, you know, and what happens is um, they'll th this these companies now they'll send out fake phishing emails, okay. phishing with a PH, uh, trying to dupe employees into doing stuff. And it's fake. 
but the employees don't know that it's fake. And then they track to see what employees fell for oh, it. Man. And then they report back to management and then management uses that as a training tool to teach. And that's so become an let's interesting. So you want to train your employees. How do you do that? Where do you go? So your IT person is okay. where you go. I mean, if you're working with a good IT firm. What if you're working with a bad IT firm? <laughs> then you change your <laughs> IT firms. That usually, if you Google or you go, and I, I use Microsoft because we're a Microsoft partner. So I don't, you know, it's a little self-serving. We don't do these services. But Microsoft has a huge, you know, huge uh, uh, part of their their services are security services, and they can recommend Microsoft partners that provide these training and consultations. So a lot of business owners, most of my clients don't do this because you're not thinking about this stuff. It's kind of like, no offense, it's kind of like insurance, you know, like you never think about I'm it until really, you need it. Really, really. Um, well, listen, you know, but <laughs> you don't think you need it until you need it. And then, you know, when people pay for it, they're like, oh, I guess I'm going to pay for my insurance, but okay. Yeah. But people don't go on a limb to pay for, um, to have like training done to protect, so their employees know how to protect themselves against but hacker you No, know, once you have a data breach, you actually have to spend money. You have to have another company come uh, in. You're hosed. Like, it's a, it's, you're it's hosed. Like, it's one of those things, it's like you're better off taking the time up front to yes. save yourself money. The chances are you're probably going to get hacked at some point. Yeah. There is a, there is a huge probability that it is, or it might get subject to a ransomware attack or a malware attack. Um, and then you're really, you, the, the amount of business that you lose when you're down um, and those attacks yeah. is horrible. If you get breached and your data gets hacked and your customers, your customers will sue yeah. you um, because you didn't protect their data. Uh, that's really bad stuff. Yeah. So you really want to try and protect yourself. And the, the vast majority of hacks occur because of some employee, usually internally. And that's why it's that old quote. It's like, why would we, what if we train our employees and they leave? What if we don't train them and they stay? Yeah, right. Like you really do want to <laughs> actually a great quote. focus on so training true. your employees on this. So true. All right. So I'm going to link to, we actually have an ebook about this that was written by our fabulous producer, Mike Kelly, whose wonderful voice you hear. Mike is the man. He's the man yep. at the beginning of the end in the podcast. He wrote a data breach ebook guide that's specifically for small business owners. So I like it. let's say you don't know anything at all about data breaches or hacking. You can read this ebook and you'll walk away like I didn't know anything until I read this ebook. And it's a quick read, but it's very thorough. And he goes through every possible thing you could be doing wrong in the first chapter, the first couple chapters of the book. So you feel like a complete moron. But then in the <laughs> second half, he goes over all of these like actually pretty easy ways that you can protect yourself. Um, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes. It's called... Well, let's just call it our data breach ebook. It's okay. like how to figure out, like how to protect your business from being hacked. So I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you to Mike for writing that awesome resource. And we'll be right back with Gene's Word of Brilliance. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. And we're back with Gene's Word of Brilliance. Two words this time. God, it's, sometimes, it's often not just one word. All right. Elizabeth, it's your and I apologize. Um, Mr. Rogers. You know what? We talked about Mr. Rogers different before. Mis different Mr. Rogers story okay. I have for you this time. Because we did talk about Mr. Rogers before, but I'm going to bring him up again. You know, it's really weird, Elizabeth. I, I 
love Mr. I, I didn't really watch them that much when I was a kid. Like and I kids wasn't didn't watch them either. No, right? I mean I totally get it, get why he's you know people love him. Um, I just growing up I was never like like drawn to his show as much, and I don't know if that was before your time. Like I'm dating no, you. No, like, it was. Right totally in your time? In my time, and my brother and I watched every day, and I feel like we're much more empathetic people because we watched. Oh well, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, I recently wrote about this elsewhere about Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, um, people were revisiting, um, and I'm not quite sure why, but he um, back in the day in 1969 when oh it was because of the budget debate that's been going on in Washington and potentially cutting off funding for PBS and all of that. That's been going on for... It's been going on for generations, yeah. okay? And as a matter of fact, it was going on in 1969 when okay. uh, the, the Congress was cutting uh, funding for PBS. Mr. Rogers, um, you know, the, 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 the executives of PBS went in front of the, the Senate Finance Committee to argue on their behalf. Um, $20 million they were looking for from the... Which from, is to nothing from, in the right. federal government. It's, it's equivalent to $140 million today still not a lot of money nothing in the federal i mean our government's budget. federal government obviously spends trillions and so this is it's just a nothing um but it, that's what they were that, that was the equivalent so the executives in 1969 decided to pull out their secret weapon and that secret weapon was fred rogers Duh. and he gave a seven minute testimony and at the beginning of the testimony the finance committee chairman didn't even know who he was had never heard of his show. What? Didn't even, he was asking him, like, do you narrate this show? How long is this show? Never heard. It was 1969. The show had been on at that point for like six years. Okay. Um, and on local televisions, different yeah. locals to Pittsburgh yeah. and a few other stations. Um, so it hadn't been on that long relatively, and it wasn't like national. It was just like local. So these guys didn't even know who he was. And Fred Rogers got up, and in seven million, seven minutes... They gave him the $20 million equivalent to really? $140 million. What did he say? What did he say? What is it about Mr. Rogers? He's in front of a panel of people that had never heard of him before and didn't know. And he raised $140 million, you know, equivalent um, mm -hmm. today. Um, he was Fred Rogers. And his pitch, because as, as business owners, we're salespeople. We're always pitching. Yeah. He gave the perfect seven-minute pitch and what he did is he spoke emphatically and empathetically mm -hmm. he was quiet but he was firm he was familiar very familiar with his materials he worked off a of very few notes he asked for permission to speak he asked for permission to respond he gave examples in fact he actually iterated the words from one song about being angry that he likes to teach to children as well he didn't sing it but he gave a demonstration basically of his product and also, he connected to his customers because he made his product, children in education, not only affect them and their children, but made them feel like how they were when they were children as well. The okay. same things that would connect. He connected to his customers. Now, if he had way. gone on Shark Tank, do you think he would have gotten the money? <laughs> yes, 100%. Because in the end, when you watch it, by the way, you can watch his 1969 testimony. Oh, we're on YouTube, you watch it and you watch it a couple of times because it's so compelling and spellbinding because he is a man committed and loving and did determined. It would it. did not cry watching it, but <laughs> I was blown away by his ability to sell himself. Okay, so and what is the what is the takeaway for a small the business? The takeaway for the then? small business owner is this. 
You are not selling a product. You're not selling a company. You're not selling a service. You are asking somebody to give money and put their faith in you. In the end, it's you. So Fred Rogers was not selling PBS. He was not selling Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He was telling the centers, trust me with that $20 million because that I'm the best use of your money. I will take care of that money and make sure that it's a good investment for you. And in just seven minutes, he proved just that. That's your goal when you're trying to sell a customer. And he did that through empathy. He did it through empathy and genuineness. That's one of the hardest things to learn is empathy. I, well, people, I feel like you need to be brought up with that. On, you use the example of Shark Tank, but you know these people on Shark Tank, you know, look, it's not 2017, has anything changed? I mean, these people on Shark Tank get in there with the glitz and they're throwing things around and it's yeah. a big show and they're joking around and they're doing this and they're doing that. You see time and time again, people that get turned down in Shark Tank because they don't know their numbers or they don't know their products or their market or they can't answer certain questions or they're just not polite. But that's not the real reason why. In the end, the people that are on that Shark Tank panel, they are investing in, in the, the people, yeah. in the person. It has nothing to do with the product or the company itself. It's like, do I, is this guy going to succeed? You know, yeah. and I've always believed, you know, I make jokes about blacksmiths, all, you know, like, you know, but you can be a blacksmith in 2017 and be successful if you are really good at what you do and really believe and are passionate at what you do. Fred Rogers is really good at what he does and he's passionate and he showed that in that seven minute testimony. And those people didn't give money. They gave money to him. That's what they invested in. Great. All right. We're going to link to that in the show notes. And yeah, it's cool to watch, watch. It a couple times. It's cool to watch. Um, Gene, what do we want from our listeners this week? <laughs> reviews. Oh, yes. We do want people leaving reviews on our page and also asking questions as well. So asking we can discuss. Questions. So leave us a review. Ask us a question. You can contact us at smallbizaheadpodcast at thehartford.com. You can find us on smallbizahead.com. Just click on the podcast tab and all of the shows will pop up with the show notes. You can comment after them or you could leave us a review on iTunes, which we would definitely like. And we read all of them and ask us a question in the, in the iTunes review. I agree. Um, you can also give us five stars on iTunes, which we would very much <laughs> That would be like. very nice. All right. So we'll talk to you in a couple days. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.